Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Mitch Light joins us today as we will talk Vanderbilt baseball. The news today presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt kicks off its 2021 NCAA baseball tournament with a game against Presbyterian on Friday night, first pitch, 6 o'clock central. Mitch appears on the guest line presented by my friends Scott and Missy Tannen at Bolin Branch. Visit their site at bolinbranch.com. Enter the promo code VANDY. That'll get you $50 off your first set of sheets. And my goodness, you want to try these. I've slept on them for years. They are hands down the most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. They get more comfortable with every washing. They are 100% organic cotton, 100% rain fed. I don't know why it makes a difference, but it does. Try them yourself. You will see the difference. You can return them after 30 days, but you won't want to. Trust me on this one. You will thank me for it later. Go to BowlingBranch.com, get your sheets today, and help out those who help the podcast. Mitch Light joins me from The Athletic. Mitch and I usually talk a lot of things. Mitch covers college football at The Athletic, or he's an editor over that there, but uh, Mitch being the good Samaritan he is, volunteered to do some baseball coverage for the Athletic. And so with bracket stuff fresh on his mind, uh, we're going to go there and talk a little big picture NCAA tournament. Mitch, thanks for joining us today. Uh, all kidding aside, uh, with the work you had to do, it is going to be just a fun, fun week ahead. Yeah, I, you know, this is... Uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite weekend of the year sports-wise. I, I do love college baseball. It, it's up there, though. It, it really is up there. I'm trying to think, you know, obviously you got national championships in, in, in football and basketball and, you know, Labor Day weekend's great with college football coming back. But I love this weekend where, you know, I'll probably go watch a little of the first game with my son, come back. There's games on from 11 o'clock all day and, you know, all weekend. And ESPN obviously does a great job covering the sport. It is a it's a great weekend. I think my favorite two are this and the basketball tournament. Yeah, it, it, it definitely. And it really has since, you know, we've talked a lot about this over the years. Thanks to the SEC Network and ESPN for making it, promoting the sport. And it's far different from 2007 when I think the Vanderbilt series was on CSS and basically no other series were on nationally. So you can literally watch any game uh, in the country. Yeah, it's much different. I think it has gotten a lot more mainstream. I don't know about you, but I've made this comment before. I will get texts from people during postseason about the games going on that don't normally watch it. I don't know if that's your experience that you sense that people who aren't normally involved with college baseball sort of start to pay attention around this time, which, again, wasn't the case 10 years ago. But I just feel a real surge in popularity for college baseball. Yeah, definitely. I've got friends who, you know, pay attention to the team uh, but really this is when they really start watching and then you get a lot of dumb questions about like why isn't you know why is this guy playing well because he hit four home, i'm making it like because he had four home runs at florida three weeks ago you know you get people who are just uninformed and you have to be patient with them but uh yeah it's it's definitely 
becoming definitely more mainstream. And, and we've had this discussion. You know, we don't cover it at the athletic as a sport. Our, our beat writers are free to cover it. Like I've got a South Carolina beat writer, Josh Kendall, who is going to be over at uh, South Carolina this week. And Joe Rexwood is going to be in Nashville and Knoxville. And uh, again, we don't really, there's not an edict to cover, but our, our numbers are good. The, the stories are well read. So I think it's going to continue to grow. I think my favorite pet peeve about college baseball this time of year is uh, fan bases moaning, we don't have enough pitching or, or things like that. Or I don't know if they've got enough pitch. Like everybody has a bit of a pitching situation. Like the, the, the that comment is offered with the thought that everybody has like three really good starters and, and eight guys coming out of the bullpen, uh, you know, who are all sub three ERAs. It's just not that way most places. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's not it, that it's, way any place, actually. Yeah, and, and I, I've talked a lot about a lot of this, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, because it's, it's a difficult sport to cover nationally uh, because, as I've said, how many games are on TV, it's still not basketball and football. So I have a really good knowledge of the entire college football landscape, the entire college baseball land, uh, basketball landscape, and a decent one of SEC baseball. But when you only follow your team closely, which I think a lot of us, I think that a lot of us, uh, college baseball fans fit into that category, you don't have a good feel for what else is out there nationally. So like you, you see your team war, your your own team's warts, and you don't realize that uh, you know, 95% of the country are, are dealing with similar situations or worse. So it's not a criticism. It's just the way it is. It's, I can't expect a, a Vanderbilt baseball fan to really know what's going on at UCLA or Gonzaga. I'm going to give you a question. I'm going to intentionally omit something that, that might give it away. And then I'll, I'll go full circle back okay. to that to, I'm confused, to make okay. my point. Oh yeah. Well, that that's the point is to try to confuse you. Okay. Yeah. What, what would the record of this team be? It's got a, Starting pitcher one, who's thrown 65 innings with a 2.19 ERA, it's got a starting pitcher two who's thrown 51 innings with a 4.18. It's got a starting pitcher three. Oh no, wait, this guy's out. Uh, it's got a starting pitcher three with 42 innings and a 4.43 ERA. Um, its second most used bullpen arm has a 3.38 ERA. It's they're number one in the country. It's Arkansas. Yes, yes, that's right. Their number two reliever outside their closers got a 469 ERA with 40 innings. Now, Kevin Copps is got is the guy that omitted. He's got a 66 innings pitched, .81 ERA line to him, and that makes up for a lot. But my point is, this is the consensus number one team in the country uh, that lost 10 games. And so I see Vanderbilt fans get up in arms about pitching a lot. And look – you know, if rocker and lighter are not rocker and lighter, that that potentially is a problem. Uh, but you could say that about anybody too for their number one and two. And and by the way, the upside uh, for their guys isn't isn't quite that to say the least. Yeah, totally. And it's um, you know we, we we've talked all year. It's clear that the depth of the staff has been seriously hindered, hurt, whatever you want to say, by the injuries and lack of availability of certain guys. Um, and I don't know what was expected. I mean, I think we were all guilty of this when we saw the way those guys started the season. You just you expected them to go out and win every game and give up a run or two, and that's just not the way baseball works. Would you like to see more consistency, more command? Sure. Um, but, like, I had someone who kind of followed – you just surface-level area fan, not a Vanderbilt fan really – and this is before the Ole Miss start. It was after he threw – it was the day after the Kentucky game in which he threw – 
really well, gave up one hard hit ball, the two run homer maybe. And it's like, yeah, Rocker's struggling. I was like, yeah, he kind of pitched great last night. You know, it's, it's, it's just the expectations are so great. Um, and you'd like to think that Vanderbilt can survive some not great performances if they happen. Like, let's say you get into Saturday, whoever they're playing, and Leiter is good but not great and gives up three or four runs. Well, you, you, with this lineup, you think they could score six or seven runs. So they don't have to be perfect for Vanderbilt to advance either. Yeah, I mean, most teams would kill for a Patrick Riley as their three. Yes. I mean, even a lot of good teams. And I know Riley hasn't been great. He's got a 454, but he's got he's really good, good stuff. Yeah, when he's good, he's been very good. Yeah, I mean, you might you might throw him out there and get six or seven innings with ten strikeouts. I mean, that's within the realm of possibility. That's that's the point. It's just everybody's kind of short on pitching, I, I think, for the most part. Yes, that's 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 definitely true. But I guess if it's relative, then then you're really not short on pitching. But anyway, I, I think it come people come at it like through a major league baseball mentality, right? Where you got. You got three or four starters who have got sub four ERAs on a great team, and you got, you know, you got six guys coming out of the bullpen with the an under three ERA, and it just doesn't work that way. But I've made the point. I want to go into the mailbag because this question takes me where I wanted us to go today. Our mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of your insurance needs. Call him today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshumintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Diehard VU fan says... Given the current hitting slumps, injuries, shuffling of rotations, etc., going on with the lineup this late in the season, what are both of your ideal lineups for the remainder of the postseason? Um, I mean, I wouldn't change much. Uh, I think I'll just go by position, not necessarily order. I, I think it's pretty clear what the lineup's going to be. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, Rodriguez at catcher, Dom Keegan at first, Tate Colwick at second, Young at short. Parker Nolan at third, Laneve, Bradford, and Thomas, and then probably some sort of platoon between Jones and Bulger. I don't think there's much debate there. No, I don't see it. I mean, unless Gonzalez gets in the DH mix. But, I mean, frankly, I think they they seem to like Bulger better as a hitter. And Jones, to me, is the wild card because, boy, when when he blistered the ball, he really blistered it. But still... You know, a lot of swing and miss to his game. Yeah. Not a lot of, not a lot of on base to him, other than when he just really stings the ball because he doesn't walk very much. Yeah, and, and there there's certain things that I wouldn't say we're not privy to that I just don't know enough about the strengths and weaknesses and the matchups and stuff. There could be a situation where a certain guy's a changeup and you don't want to go lefty on righty. You want to go Bulger against a righty with a good changeup or Gonzalez or something like that. There's certain, there'll be certain matchups, but I'm just kind of following, you know, through the injuries, you can sort of see what the plan has been in the latter half of the season. But I I could see Gonzalez or Bulger DHing and Jones uh, not DHing because you you didn't mention this, the swing and miss, but like you said, he can, he can change anyone in this lineup really can change the game, but he can change the game with one swing, a three run homer and hit it, you know, over the over the batter's eye in center field. Well, strikeouts aren't everything, but 
Bolger struck out 35 times in 143 at-bats. Jones struck out 31 in 86. Correct. Um, Jones, this might not be fair or or correct. I only have the overall stats. Jones, I wouldn't you say prim- primarily his bats came in SEC play. He did not play a ton non-conference earlier in the year, so maybe he's facing better pitching, but maybe that's not true. Maybe he had some midweek starts as well. Uh, he did have some midweek starts. Now at the yeah, end, Bolter, it was more, it was the end that was more weekend, but I'll look that up while we're talking. Yeah, Bolger Bolger played his way into the lineup almost immediately because the injury. So he had three or four weeks of all non-conference at bats in there. So again, I mean, the stats are the stats. I'm just trying to, uh, maybe not making an excuse for Jones, but the, the, that maybe he faced better pitching as a, as a whole. No, your point is a fair one, and I would not have thought about it if you hadn't mentioned it. Jones had 53 at-bats in the SEC, struck out 20 times, didn't walk a single time. Um, wow. So 53 of his 86 at-bats were in the SEC. So yeah. Not, I mean, more, yeah. but not, not like 75 or 80%. Hit uh, slash line 302, 321, 377, although that, that came up at the end. And then you had Bolger going 321, 374, 519, and 81 at-bats. And that's the other thing, I think, is it just seemed like before the injuries came into play, Bolger was just like a guy, I I don't know, maybe if I looked at the splits I'd be wrong, but he just seemed a guy who could hit a little bit of everything, whether it was breaking balls, lefties, righties, uh, and that's where you might not want to go with the platoon if, if the kid can do that. Yeah, they obviously felt good enough about him, like, early in the season, maybe before they were given Jones a chance. And, and like you said, some injuries where he was playing every day, he was playing lefty righty. So, and again, I don't have the splits in front of me. So uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him in the lineup as the DH every game. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that we'd maybe have more of a discussion about this, but I think we're both on the same page. I just think that really, I, I guess it's maybe the batting order. Um, you know, wh- where do they, move things around, um, you know, like you saw Thomas hitting five a lot of the year. We saw him hitting two, which okay. is where Carter hit, Young hit all year. Uh, so, I like, that's one of those things that, like, okay, how does that resolve? Do they, you know, they had um, Leneve, I think, hitting eight or nine a lot. Well, they moved him up to six in Hoover, and he, he hit fairly well there from what I remember. So, you know, when Young comes back, do they put him back into the two? Do they slide those guys elsewhere? That's really the biggest question I have is, what do they do with the batting order now? Yeah, and Corbin has said this. Uh, you know, other than Bradfield and, and Keegan, and, you know, Thomas has a really good average. He This isn't, I don't think, coach speak. He's like, sure, we've got a top of the order. But after that, it's really... There's not much difference between four through eight or nine with their numbers and their production. You know, sure, Young has 15 home runs. He separates himself. But then from a production and a power standpoint, most of these guys are in the, the 260 to 290 range in the five to eight, nine home runs where you're not surprised if any of them hit home runs. And um, there's there's a lot of balance and depth in the lineup. Okay, let's go through this. Let's select our own lineups. I think, one, there's no way we move Bradfield out of that spot. Who do you go to? I like Thomas, too, because he doesn't strike out as much as Carter Young. I'm going to go off the charts. I'm going to go Rodriguez, too. Really? Just because he puts the ball in play so much. And you can do a lot with Bradfield on the base pass, and, and, and Rodriguez can go 
right field. He can pull. Um, I mean, I, I remember a game where he hit a ball really hard, like for a, a two or three run double that he pulled down the left field line. I remember right before that, like he he fouled off a scorcher pass first. It was just foul. I just like the bat control and the fact he doesn't strike out a lot. And I think with a little bit of rest, I think that he struggled just being exhausted or being banged up or whatever. I just really like his fundamentals as a hitter uh, beyond what the stats show. This season of the Vanity Sports Podcast made possible by my friend Jody Jones DDS, who you can find at 55 Music Square East. Jody has been in business for years. He has got just this unbelievable spy-like atmosphere at his practice. You have movie stars, athletes, coaches, all kinds of entertainers come to Jody for their cosmetic and general dentistry needs because he's the best around. You've never had an experience like it. Jody, of course, former Commodore football player, Vanderbilt booster. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Tell him thank you for making this season of the podcast possible. Maybe talk a little Vandy sports while you're there. Yeah, I mean, can't go wrong there. Definitely, I, you know, I, I'll stick with my with my Thomas call, but uh, not to, that wouldn't. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think we're gonna see it. I think it's gonna be Thomas or Carter Young, but uh, I would have no problem with that. Keegan three. Yeah, I think you have to. He's yeah, it's been, where he hit all year, and it seemed like he hit better in the league as it got later. In fact, I'm yeah, almost he got, positive he he hit better late in the season yeah, in he got the SEC. Incredible start. Incredible start, which really got that average over 400. And then he seemed to kind of level off a little bit, but then he hit the ball in the latter third of the SEC season without the numbers right in front of me. I'd say, you know, he hit the ball really well. Okay, so I'm going Thomas in the cleanup spot. Where do you go? Um, see, this is where the lineup evens out. Uh, I, I mean, I guess if I'm going to want to go true power guy, I'll go with Neve at four. Okay, well, I'm going to write these down as we go because okay. lefty-righty might be another thing because as you, you get into postseason, you might see some teams make some one-batter pitching changes that they might not make with less at stake. So we're going Bradfield at one, both of us. He's a lefty. Um, I went Rodriguez at two. I went IT, so we've both got righties. Yeah, so they're both righties. So three would be Keegan... He's a righty. I've got Leneve at four as a lefty. You've got Thomas who's a righty. Okay. I guess one thing I, I might push back on a little bit with Leneve is that's a lot of pressure to put yeah. a freshman in the four spot in a sophomore. regional. Sophomore, but. Sophomore, new. yeah, but I mean, might as well be in terms of playing yeah. time. He basically is a freshman. Uh, so there's that. So five. I'd go young on mine. Yeah, and that's where I was thinking too. Uh, so I think we're in agreement on that. Six. Let's I see go CJ it, there. You've already got him. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of this too. Most guys you're facing are right-handers. So Young is going to hit lefty. Lefty. So you're going to go, if Thomas is in the cleanup spot for me, um, you go lefty-righty there against a right-hander. Or excuse me, righty-lefty. Uh, if you throw Leneve in the cleanup spot, you're going lefty-lefty there. So you're throwing CJ in the cleanup spot or the the sixth spot, and let's yeah. see who have I got left. Um, I I think I go Leneve there, in the six. Yeah, we both have not put the DH in yet. I, so I, I would go Bulger six probably for me. 
Yeah, I, w- I would put Bolger next, probably. Bolger, I, yeah. I might even go. Yeah, it, pro- it probably depends on whether you're going lefty or righty. Yeah, uh, because so I, again, I you got Young in the five. If, if I'd you're probably both, go, I'd probably go Bolger six, Rodriguez seven, and then, and then Nolan eight, and Tate Colwick nine. Yeah. Uh, let's see. If you go Bolger in the seven hole, or Rodriguez in the seven, then you go. Then I think you put Nolan in eight because because of the lefty. But I don't think Nolan hit that low all year. Yeah, no, he he hit four, five, six a lot of the year. Yeah, it's our lineup, Chris. We can do what we want. <laughs> That's we 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 apologize to no one. Yes. Okay. Speaking of which, I had this discussion yesterday with Chip Frederick. How do you do starting pitching given the draw they got? How do I do it, or how will they do it? Let's hear your answer on both. Uh, I'd be stunned if it's not Kumar Rocker Friday night. Yeah. Um, I just don't think Tim will change the way he goes about it. Um, of all the years, I would be tempted to shake it up this year uh, because I think we can agree Presbyterian on paper is the worst number four seed Vanderbilt will have played since the Tim Corbin era, since, you know, since they've been a factor nationally and got earned one seeds. The argument against it, obviously, is you want to keep your rotation set. You don't want to send the wrong message to your team. And if you win Friday and Saturday anyway, you're in such good shape. And I don't think any of the teams in this region scare you with their pitching depth. Not saying they can't beat Vanderbilt two times, but especially Georgia Tech uh, does not have the highest. They gave up the most runs in the uh, in the uh, ACC. So I think you put yourself in a position if you win Friday and Saturday, you're just in such good shape um, against what the other teams are going to have. So I, I, what Vanderbilt will do, we'll go rocker one, lighter two. If I were the manager, I would probably keep it that way, but I would seriously have to think about it more so than usual. Yeah, see, that's what scares me. I would, I would throw little one. You or, would, okay. O'Reilly, for that matter. And and here's why, okay. Worst case scenario, I, I don't think they're going to lose Friday regardless. And, and let's just give them that one. You could see a scenario where Georgia Tech beats them on Saturday night. Then they got to win three more games. Then you have burned Rocker and Lighter. And I guess you could say this most years, right? But then you're throwing two freshmen in spots that you got to win or it's your season. And oh, by the way, you got to find one more after that. Well, I think you make it's all valid points, but I think you're making a huge assumption that coaches don't make. You can't just assume you're going to win. If he, if you told Tim Corbin you're going to win Friday, then he probably he would throw whoever. Like, I think there's a scenario where they think if you're not throwing your top two guys, there's a walk, a squib hit, and a home run. You're down three nothing, and then the kid throws the game of his life. I mean, is that going to happen? Very unlikely. But I think coaches don't think like that. Like you just made the assumption that you're going to win Friday. So I, if that was the case, then I, then people would not throw their ace. No, and and that's a good point. And that's always the way he's thought. But right, I don't know. This is one where you know the long ball is a big thing in college baseball right now. And Tech can hit some. Now they're going to give some up too. But I just. My concern for them is worst case scenario, they end up in a shootout in one of those games where they're also burning through some bullpen arms and stuff like that. I just think that that puts them in a really bad spot. Now, 
you know, may, maybe Leiter goes down and, and, and two hits him uh, in, in seven innings, and, and then you bring in Murphy and Maldonado to close, or heck, maybe Leiter goes eight or nine. Uh, with those guys, probably not. I, I think they'll tax them a little bit more. But point taken, I just am concerned for them. I, I think that they win regardless who they f- throw Friday. My opinion, um, uh, but, but the downside, if something goes badly and, and they've already thrown Rocker and Lighter uh, and you're in the loser's bracket, that, that, that gets a little intimidating in a hurry. Right, but I still think I- – I still, again, I, with these teams, and I don't pretend to know all their personnel, but I think it's not like there's a team out there that has doesn't hit the ball well and has really good pitching depth. It's almost the opposite. Like Indiana State obviously has a great starter in Guerrero, but it doesn't look like they have that much behind him. That's that you know. Again, this is a variable team that people can say what they want, but led the SEC in batting average and was up maybe second or third in runs scored this year. This is a deep lineup that can score runs against. You know, they might get shut down against elite pitching like everyone does, but they can punish mediocre pitching. I guess that's the other thing. I don't feel like Presbyterian, you look at their season, I don't know that they had a guy that threw more than seven innings. Uh, their, their number one starter or their best one's a true freshman with the 490 ERA, struck out 32 guys in 64 and a third innings. Uh, so not exactly a guy that overpowers you for a team that has issues with strikeouts. I just have a really hard time um, thinking they're not going to score a lot of runs on Friday. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And um, that's why we're having this discussion. If they were playing like Ohio State two years ago, which on paper was a much better team and had some good starting pitching, there wasn't a discussion. Now the lineup, you know, at that point you could argue that, you know, Rocker was the the number one pitcher who happened to be throwing on Saturday. So that was, you, you weren't going to not throw Drake Fellows, but that's why there's, this is a, uh, a worthy discussion. I think it's a fun discussion. Other programs have clear. I can't think of any specific examples, but other programs have done it. Um, I think we've seen LSU do it in years, certain years. And uh, Vanderbilt's kind of a, a unique situation this year because it's some programs might not have an established one and they just hold it for a matchup. Some programs might have a clear ace and then a drop off. Vanderbilt has, you know, two clear guys who are when they're on, head and shoulders above everyone else as far from a proven standpoint. And then there's the drop-off. So it's kind of a unique argument too. Yeah, I think it's the only time we've ever had this discussion. Usually my answer is don't be silly. I know what he's going to do. And that's probably the answer this year. Uh, but I just think that the reasons that it makes sense uh, for reasons I've mentioned are, are, are more this year than any other situation I remember. Uh, totally. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying to- totally agree. I mean, it's the first thing I thought of after I saw the brackets. It's like, is this going to be the year? But my guess is no. Anything else that we didn't get to that's worth a discussion here? Uh, you know, I'll probably have another podcast after they name their rotation, which I would presume they'll do tomorrow. But I really wanted to focus mostly on the hitting and the lineup today. And yeah. I guess we've mostly covered that. So is there anything else that's a – I guess, a pressing issue that, that we didn't get to. I'll be curious to see Ethan Smith's role. It sounds like he's available yeah. and was available at the SEC tournament and that he can pitch. And, you know, I, you know, it depends on how the game goes. It'd be great to get him, you know, for an inning on Friday night in a low-pressure situation. And then, you know, he gets kind of the cobwebs out. And then maybe he's available for extended work on a Sunday or, you know, if they had to go to Monday. But I think he could be a really important piece if they keep moving forward. And you'd love to see him get maybe an inning Friday night. That is an excellent point. Maybe that's a little bit of an insurance policy down the line that, frankly, has just been out of sight, out of mind almost lately. 
Right. Totally. Totally. I mean, you know, you got you got McIlvain, Schultz, Riley, Little. You have all these guys, and uh, you know, one guy we Nelson Berkowitz has looked good when he's played. So it's just they've got options. They're just you don't have the comfort with a lot of them because they haven't all been consistent. And there's no guarantee that Ethan Smith's going to be on if he gets an opportunity. But he has pitched high pressure situations in his career. I'm looking at this. I, teams had a 575 OPS against them in league play. Against Vanderbilt? Yeah. I'm sorry, 675. That that's that's not as quite as good, but that's that's really good in the league. Against Vanderbilt, you're saying? So yes, yes. What was Vanderbilt's? Vanderbilt's was uh eight fifty-eight. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty pretty substantial difference here. Teams hit one ninety eight against them in the league. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That is I mean, crazy. There, there are some command issues, all that. We get that, but if as you see, if you can hold teams to under a two hundred average, that's incredible. Now they did give up forty three home runs and they hit forty six, yeah. so that's where the damage got done um, against them. So yeah, totally. I mean, there, there's. Several games, the Ole Miss game on Friday night where Rocker gives up line drive singles rather than home runs, they win the game. But that's that's the point of the game, scoring more runs and hitting home runs is a good way to do it. Any parting thoughts, Mitch? Um, not really. Looking Again, looking forward um, to it. Uh, Saturday, this will be fun for me Saturday. Uh, one, you know, Obviously, you got Justin Henry Malloy and, and Chance Huff coming back. But one of my good friends, a long-time Salesman at Athlon Sports that I worked with for probably about 10 or 15 years, Eddie Gonzalez. His son is the starting left fielder f- as a freshman for uh, Georgia Tech. So I'm going to see him Friday at the games, and, and hopefully Vanderbilt plays him Saturday night. So that, that'll be fun. So it should just be a fun weekend. Looks like the weather's going to be pretty good, especially Friday night. Uh, maybe a little overcast on Saturday. So it should be a fun weekend. Tell folks what you're doing at The Athletic uh, in terms of college baseball coverage and anything else of interest. Well, yeah, thanks. Actually, I do have something to tease this week. Uh, put together a bracket breakdown, which I had you look at to be sure I didn't say anything stupid, and you were either nice to me or I didn't say anything stupid. Uh, that will be live tomorrow on Friday. I mean, live tomorrow, Thursday morning, and then we'll have coverage this weekend. I think right now the plan is for Joe Rex Road to cover Vanderbilt Friday and Saturday, um, and then head to Knoxville on Sunday. So, um you know, Joe, not a college baseball expert, but definitely knows the landscape very well and does a good job. And he actually has a feature coming probably tomorrow on Tim Corbin's time at Presbyterian. So you can look for that. So we'll have two things tomorrow, college baseball related. Be safe and I'll see you at the ballpark. All right, Chris, take care. All right. He's Mitch Light. I'm Chris Lee. Should have one more of these coming before the start of regional play. So thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. We'll see you again very soon.